We retain confession for the sake of the absolution. In other words, for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the promise of forgiveness of sins, for the sake of sinners being comforted, not terrified, uh, relieved, not burdened. The, the Lord gives his gospel and the ministry of the office of the keys not to bind us and, and cast us down, but for all those who are weary and heavy laden that we might come to the cross of Jesus, to his gospel, and find rest. Five hundred years ago, Martin Luther would gather around the kitchen table with friends and theologians to talk about the Bible, theology, current events, and anything else. These discussions were called table talks. No matter what the question, the conversations always centered around Jesus and his promise of the forgiveness of sins. Table Talk Radio takes up the conversation, bringing the promise of the gospel to our lives. Stay tuned for Table Talk Radio. Welcome to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Good lineup, Pastor Wolf Miller, for Table Talk Radio today. I trust you. Uh, Table trust Talk but verify. Jeopardy is the first one. All right. Who wants? That's, oh, that's my favorite. Who wants to be a theologian? That's also my favorite. Oh, I do. By the way, I'm going to be the theologian. Doubtful. That's doubtful. And ending up with what century? Well, oh, yeah, that's my favorite too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> All right, oh boy! All so, right, table talk Jeopardy up first. So I'm, I'm Alex in the in the first round, or because you, you forgot to prepare any questions for table talk true, Jeopardy. True. So I'll be. This is like the teen edition. <laughs> Just me. So I only one person here to get them right and or wrong. So, all right. And, and okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, the category. I think we've done this before. Uh, the category is uh, documents in the Lutheran Confessions. Oh, yes. So I'll read you a quotation, and you have to determine what uh, document f- uh, from the Book of Concord is. I know. I gave you some strategy ideas last time we played this because I thought you were being more tricky than you are. So i got to be especially – I'm listening especially quick. That's right. Okay. So for 100, uh, where is it in the Confessions for 100, please, Evan? All right. Therefore – the blasphemy of attributing the honor of Christ to our works is intolerable. These theologians have lost all sense of shame if they dare to smuggle such a notion into the church. Aha. Uh-huh. Uh, so read the first sentence again. Therefore, the blasphemy of attributing the honor of Christ to our works is intolerable. This is one of the things that the confessions are being very, very careful about. In, in other words, they know that the right doctrine does two things. It gives all honor and glory to God, to Christ, and it gives comfort to us. And, and every false doctrine then is measured in how it steals comfort and steals honor. And here it says that the blasphemy of taking the honor that's due to Christ and, and giving it to ourselves, the honor of salvation, which God, which God and Christ has won for us, is just simply intolerable, but it's precisely what the opponent's uh, teaching does. And this, uh, it sounds kind of rough and tumble, so you say, oh, that's probably Luther because he was kind of rough and tumble. But this is really how uh, Melanchthon will really get after things in the Apology to the Augsburg Confession. So I'm going to answer, what is the Apology? That is correct. Uh, you were worried for just a split <laughs> second. You were Look worried. At, you're trying to do that worried face, so I'll... <laughs> 
Iowa. Is it true? What is it? Uh, what what article is it? Do you have that down there? I don't, but it was the article on Good Works, which is well, that's six in the uh, in the in the Augsburg Confession. But then it gets numbered all funny yeah. when it goes to the apology. So, so I don't remember. I'm sorry. Uh, it could be like a part part three of Article three on love and good works or something like that. Love and the keeping of the law, right in there. Uh, I have um, I forgot it on that one. But I have page numbers from Tappert after after all the questions after this. So. I'm sure our listeners are uh, have their Tappert right there well, next to them to it, confirm that uh, we're getting all these right. Or, it it or comes wrong. in the Table Talk Radio Home Edition, uh, the home game. Oh, you get a book of Concord in there? Yeah, it comes with it. How are the home game sales going? Uh, uh, it's on our it's, it's on our website with all the shirts and and bibs and and yard signs as well. Baby wipey warmer, <laughs> Table Talk Radio. <laughs> Oh, a table talk. Can you buy a table talk radio frisbee? No, you should be able to. Though. Alas, Ugh. all right. Uh, so no, I'll yep. take this. I'll go for the next one, which is uh, uh, documents in the Lutheran Confessions for two hundred points, please. All right, here is your answer. As for contrition, this was the situation. Since nobody could recall all his sins especially those committed during the course of the whole year, the following loophole was resorted to, namely that when a hidden sin was afterwards remembered, it had also to be repented of, confessed, etc. But meanwhile, the sinner was commended to the grace of God. Moreover, since nobody knew how much contrition he had to muster in order to avail before God, this consolation was offered. If anyone could not be contrite, that is, really repentant, he should at least be a trite, which I might call halfway or partially repentant. Yeah, this is the the Lutheran confessions are constantly criticizing the medieval practice of penance because they say it's a torture of souls because you got to go when you go to confession you got to remember every single sin that you commit and, and if you don't repent of it then you don't get forgiven for it. So it was really, uh, in fact, that's what the uh, the Lutherans call. Um, uh, the Roman Catholic doctrine of confession, a torture of souls, because it was it was required, it was demanded, it was a legalistic sort of thing, uh, all of this kind of stuff. Uh, the Lutherans came in and said, look, we, in fact, I think Melanchthon says something like this, we retain uh, the confession for the sake of the absolution. In other words, for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the promise of forgiveness of sins, for the sake of sinners being comforted, not terrified, uh, relieved, not burdened, uh, the the Lord gives his gospel and the ministry of the office of the keys not to uh, to to bind us and and cast us down, but for all those who are weary and heavy laden, that we might come to the cross of Jesus, to his gospel, and find rest. Uh, so there, there, there you see, you read a bunch of this in the Lutheran confessions, criticizing uh, the old Roman Catholic practice. Uh, this kind of thing also, there's really only two places it could be because it's not, it's not really a, a precise argument that it's getting into, but kind of exposing the foolishness of the of the opponents. Uh, so it could be in small called, but I think this also uh, is Melanchthon talking about uh, the Roman Catholic practice. Um, in again the apology that's going to be my guess uh, so what is the apology to the Augsburg Confession so I tried to trick you and you still got it wrong it's in the small column oh it is <laughs> oh man but furthermore uh, as, as you were saying um, that, that, that the confession is retained for the gospel um, 
furthermore that that once once the sin was confessed and the and uh, the sinner was uh, absolved that was the end of it that was uh, all that needed to be done that there there wasn't a, a laundry list of things that the the person had to do afterwards to prove that he was indeed uh, sorry that was that was all forgiveness was given that's right and there's no penance there's no uh follow up work or anything like this to do it's just to simply rejoice in the promise of forgiveness there's these great passages from Luther and from Melanchthon where they say, uh, we don't know what our opponents are talking about, and neither do they. No one understands their teaching of attrition or contrition, active, passive, uh, uh, all of this sort of nonsense. Uh, but there you go. All right. Well, you're you're lingering at a mere 100 points. I'm actually, don't I lose 200? I'm, I had negative oh, 100. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Oh, don't be so happy over there. <laughs> Sheesh. <laughs> Uh, maybe I, just I, maybe, I, Evan. I'll I feel, miss this one too. <laughs> I, I feel I feel terrible. I feel terrible about that. Contrite. Oh, I'm not man. sure if that's attrition or contrition. <laughs> All right. How about 300 to dig out of the hole here? Uh, where is it in the confessions for 300? In the first place, the grace of Christ and the teaching concerning faith are thereby obscured, and yet the gospel earnestly urges them upon us and strongly insists that we regard the merit of Christ as something great and precious, and know it that faith in Christ is to be esteemed above, uh, far above all works. Uh, yeah, keep going. Keep reading. That's all I got. Sorry. <laughs> oh, man. This could be, see, th- I mean, this <laughs> could be anywhere. All right. Good. Uh, so, so let's have it, let's have it again. Okay. Uh, and and I've got to look for key words, because each of the confessional documents has their own kind of characteristics. So we're going to try to find one in this quote. Uh, in the first place. The grace of Christ and the teaching concerning faith are thereby obscured, and yet the gospel earnestly urges them upon us and strongly insists that we regard the merit of Christ as something great and precious and know that faith in Christ is to be esteemed far above all works. That's what I'm going to start doing to trick you. I'm just going to get these... Like one sentences that could be anywhere in the book of Concord. Yeah, that's true. That really could because it, really it's teaching the central doctrine of the Christian faith, justification by faith alone. And it's not by works, but by the merits of Christ. It's by his death. Um, the language in the first place it's, is kind of has this structure of the formula, which is very structured. So I, I want to think about that, except I just can't think of where it is and and the formula is really arguing kind of these inner Lutheran arguments rather than um, rather than really f- head-on facing the Roman Catholics. It, c- it could be, I mean, Luther could say this. I don't think it's in the, in the Augsburg Confession because Melanchthon really doesn't get into these lists, first, second, third. I mean, he does some of the later articles. Uh, this is a tough one. Ah. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb and say uh what is the formula of Concord? This is actually from the Augsburg Confession. It is from the Augsburg Confession. So uh if if uh someone listening to Table Talk Radio needed some math help and said they were in debt one apple and someone took away three apples, how many apples would they not have? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, look at minus four hundred points. All right. <laughs> Good thing we're not justified by our works. That's right. And actually, it's about time for break. So I'll give you a chance to to redeem yourself uh, after this commercial break. Uh, We're continuing Table Talk Jeopardy. Then we're going to play Who Wants to Be a Theologian? And the answer is me. I want to. So we'll be right back on Table Talk Radio. 
Dividing the Word of Truth, Table Talk Radio. Hi, this is Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. I know that when you tune in the radio to listen to your favorite Lutheran, conservative, confessional radio show with a game show theme, that you have a lot of choices. So I'd like to thank you for listening to Table Talk Radio. And as a show of our appreciation, I'd like to give you the opportunity to help the show by donating now. So click the Donate Now button at tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for your help. Coming back with a negative 400 from that commercial break, Pastor Brian Wolfmuller playing <laughs> Table Talk Jeopardy. I'm going to be petitioning the government for a bailout here. <laughs> yeah, we, we looked it up. That uh, last quote uh, about the gospel having the primacy in our doctrine came from Article 26 of the uh, Augsburg Confession on the distinction of meats. Every seminarian's favorite. The cafeteria article. <laughs> Uh, okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, so do you want 400 or 500? Uh, four. 400. That'll take me out to, to then ready to launch for the 500. No. I'm going to even out on this one here. All right. Well, here it is. Ready. Thus, Scripture denies to the intellect, heart, and will of the natural man every capacity, aptitude, skill, and ability to think anything good or right in spiritual matters. You must know where this is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Keep it coming. <laughs> he started flexing his muscles, oh. so I figured he must have known where this <laughs> My is. My confessions. <laughs> uh, where was I? This is the solid declaration um, right here. <laughs> See that? <laughs> okay. Anyway, I'm going to start over. Thus, Scripture denies to the, to the intellect, heart, and will the, of the natural man every capacity, aptitude, skill, and ability to think anything good or right in spiritual matters, to understand them, to begin them, or to will them, to undertake them, to do them, to accomplish or to cooperate <laughs> in them as of himself. I really wish it could be in different geographic locations for this show. <laughs> Much less will he be able to truly believe the gospel, <laughs> give his assent to it, and accept it as truth. That is uh, from the Formula of Concord, Article 2, Free Will. Very good. W- what is the Formula of Concord? <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. You almost got me there. No way. Uh, you, don't, you, don't have this, you don't have the uh, uh, paragraph, though, do you? That's a right around paragraph <laughs> 40. <laughs> paragraph 40. <laughs> I'm tr- I'm closing his his I, triglotta. No, this is a this is a marvelous uh article 2 of the formula of concord it has it has kind of three arguments. It's talking about conversion and, and the and the debate here is what are the efficient causes of conversion? And and look, the Lutheran said it's it's the Holy Spirit and God's word. Well, Melanchthon, who was a good, you know, Luther's right-hand man, but he kind of fell off the apple cart there, and he added a third cause, the will of man. So they're asking the question on Article 2, free will, does man's will have a part in conversion? And the, and the outline of the argument goes like this. Well, first of all, man is dead in his trespasses and sins. He can't do anything towards God. Second of all, man is blind, foolish, ignorant. Uh, and that's the part that you're outlining there, too. The third part is that everything that is um, needed for conversion uh, 
contrition because of the law, faith in Christ, trust in God, all of this is attributed to the Holy Spirit in the Scriptures so that we see that it's God and God alone who affects conversion. And, and that's the, the argument there. And, and it's the argument for our fantastic comfort because we know that it's not then up to us to convert our own heart, uh, but it's the work of God and His Word to, to bring us to faith in Christ. All right. Well, you know, you're up to zero. <laughs> And uh, this is your last chance to actually get some points in this round. Yes. So 500. Uh, it's probably the daily double and I don't even have points to wager. It is the daily double. <laughs> what do you know? <laughs> well, can I have 500 points on loan to wager? Yeah, yeah. All right. I'll give you 500 on loan. <laughs> you ready? You ready. All this refers to secret sins. But where the sin is so public that the judge and the world whole world are aware of it, you can without sin shun and avoid the person as one who has brought disgrace upon himself and that you may testify publicly concerning him. This uh, sounds like it's talking about the Eighth Commandment, and uh, and Luther talks about that when he's discussing the Eighth Commandment in the Large Catechism. So I am going to have for the question, what is the Large Catechism? That is correct. So oh, you were really? awarded 500, and I would like my uh, 500 points back, please. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. And uh, interest <laughs> interest is uh, 10 points. So I'm you, still going to end you're, up negative? You're, you're negative 10 points. <laughs> oh, man. That is the public. Now that you've said that on the radio, that's the public sin of the user. <laughs> you see. Oh, this is a Luther and uh, the scriptures, of course, and our confessions and all this make a distinction between private and public sin. And look, if it's public sin, then you don't have to go to someone privately to rebuke them. I mean, you could if you wanted to, to be a nice guy, but it's not required. If it's a public sin, then you then you work to avoid it. So if someone in, in the pulpit preaches false doctrine, you don't have to go to them privately. You, you can uh, re- rebuke them publicly. You can talk about them, which is really why, you know, you and I can sit here with all these different theologians and say hey this is uh, a bunch of uh, hooey uh, because it, it's public teaching and so it now be- belongs to the public uh, realm of cor- correction but on the other hand if i was uh, down the street um talking to to someone and, and they told me something in private to then get on the radio and say hey this person is a is a heretic or something like that? Is that what you're, is that what you're That's saying? That's exactly right. Okay. We, we, private sin stays private. We protect each other's reputation. That's why the Lord has given us the Eighth Commandment to protect our reputation and our names and to, and that we protect our neighbor's uh, reputation and name as well. So. There it is. Well, uh, congratulations. You, you, I'll give you the 500 because I'm such a nice guy. Yeah, nice work. But now it's time for who wants to be a <clears throat> theologian. I'm, we'll, we'll switch seats here. And uh, you can be the the game show host. That's right. The way this hey, goes. Just so you know, um, usually you want to try to be quiet with the papers when you're when you're shuffling them around. All right, I'll work on that. <laughs> I'll work on it. <laughs> the paper sounds, by the way, for those of you listening, should comfort you to know that we have done some degree of prep work. <laughs> Uh, not much, I should say. You can see my questions here. I wrote down when I was driving home this <laughs> afternoon. All right. All right. So you start out as a lowly seminarian. That's your comfortable there. Whoa, so. whoa, whoa! I thought I thought we changed that. No. What? Oh, are you yeah, we, about? we changed it to uh, you know because we want to start at the bottom, the true low bottom. We decided it would be a table talk radio host. Oh, oh yeah, I forgot about that. I thought you were going to change it to being a vicar, but you're not a vicar yet. <laughs> 
<laughs> and and the verdict okay. is still out whether I will be one. Right. That's right. Uh, hopefully that no one there in the vicarage office is listening, which is a pretty sure bet. <laughs> All right. Uh, so you start out as a uh, as a seminarian who hosts a radio show. That's where you start, and then you go up to being a peasant, then uh, then a monk, and then uh, a reformer, and then you're excommunicated. I hope I have enough questions for you to move that far. <laughs> All right. Question one: How much time do we have in this segment? About three or four minutes. All right, that'll t- that uh, first question. Then, uh, question number one: What did the magi do when they saw Jesus? A, put a crown on his head. B, fell down and worshipped him. C, cracked open the bottles of champagne. Or D, went looking for the little drummer boy. <laughs> I, I always wonder what that song's about. That's it. Right? There you go. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm going to go with B. They fell down and worshipped him. Oh, you think it's right to worship a person? I can't believe uh-huh. you. And that, yeah, that's the that's thing. Um, but but we we see here that, that uh, the Magi realized who this person was. That is the Son of God. And so um, they, they, of course, fell down and to worship him. B. B is the answer. You are right. Seminarian gig line. B is right. They fell down and worshipped him. And this is a kind of a stunning point that, um, you, you know, the early church, they're arguing against all these heretics who are saying Jesus isn't God. And one of the strongest ways they argued was, look, Jesus is worshipped. You can't be worshipped if you're not God. And, and all through the Bible we see the worship of Jesus, which is a, the really the, one of the clearest testimonies that he is God. And the Gospel of, of Matthew, for those of you interested in uh, the Gospel of Matthew, begins and ends with people falling down to worship Jesus. The Magi come, and, and they see the boy in his mother's lap, and they fall down and worship him. And then after Jesus had risen from the dead, and he's standing there on the Mount of Ascension, and the disciples come to him, and it says they fell down and worshipped him. So from beginning to end, the, the Gospel of Matthew is full of the worship of Jesus. That's interesting. I never thought of that before. Beginning and end. How about that? There you go. Uh, you learn something. Yeah. Every day. That's right. Will we have time for one more? Yeah, we have time for one more. At least que- a question. Question number two. For who did the angel say to the shepherd? This is a really poorly worded question. Let's try it. <laughs> uh, when the angels spoke to the shepherds, for who did they say the child was born? That's okay. still pretty bad, but all right, here, I'll give you the choices. <laughs> a, for all the children of Abraham. B, for the shepherds. C, for all people. Or D, for the sheep. All right, well, that's the question. We'll get the answer to that right after this break. Uh, also, during this break, you can visit our website, tabletalkrio.org. We have a forum going where you can complain about Pastor Wolfmuller's wording of questions. Right there in the forums. Everyone's favorite part coming up next, the commercial break. (laughs) That's right. A little relief from the show. And we'll do that right Enjoy it now. This is Dr. Carl McKencher, professor at Concordia Theological Seminary. Table Talk Radio is the best radio program ever. Okay, I said it. Now will you let me go? Hi, this is Evan Gigline. We at Table Talk Radio are concerned with the proclamation of the gospel for the salvation of the world. 
With this includes the expansion of Table Talk Radio. We would like to have Table Talk Radio broadcasted on as many radio stations as possible to proclaim the life and work of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of all sin. But we need your help. Many radio stations across America allow religious programming in their lineup on a particular day, usually Sunday mornings, providing the programs pay for their airtime. Perhaps a radio station in your area would be willing to play Table Talk Radio, and a local business or church would be willing to help support the costs incurred. If you would like to discuss this possibility in your area, please call our toll-free number 866-851-5523. Leave a message and I will personally return your phone call promptly to discuss this possibility. Thank you for your consideration in expanding Table Talk Radio for the sake of the gospel. Okay, peasant, the question is, for who did the... Oh, I forgot to reword it again. Uh, when the angels spoke to the shepherds, for who did they say the child was born? A, the children of Abraham. B, the shepherds. C, all people. D, the sheep. I am going to go with C, all people. Aha! Uh, all those you're out there listening, this is Table Talk Radio, by the way, and we are playing Who Wants to Be a Theologian? <laughs> In case and you forgot over that break. <laughs> That's right. Blissfully. Blissfully <laughs> they, they were forgot. enjoying those commercials oh, so much. I know. Uh. <laughs> what is it called when something's so bad you forget about it? It gets... Uh, Table Talk you, Radio. <laughs> <laughs> block it out of your mind. Everyone everyone hears our show and they say, this is the first time I've ever heard it. <laughs> you just blocked the last time out of your mind. So your answer was for all people. Now, listen to this. I'll read you the text. This is Luke chapter 2. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. So the answer really is, you're right, half right. The other half of it is for the shepherds themselves, or really this most blessed words in the scripture, these words for you. So that the birth of Jesus is for all people, and but it's not enough for, for the shepherd or for the angels to say the shepherds for all people. He drives this home and says to the shepherds, "Look, you are part of all people. This baby is born for you, and for all of us Christians who celebrate uh, the birth of Jesus at Christmas time, and really for all the world who celebrates the birth of Jesus at Christmas time, even for those who don't celebrate the birth of Jesus at Christmas time, the the birth of Jesus is is for you." Jesus came into the flesh for you, to die for you. So you get the answer. Well, you didn't get it wrong. Yeah, that's what I'm all about. (laughs) As long as it's not wrong, it doesn't necessarily have to be right. That's right. (laughs) So you got a half right. So we'll let you, you're you're half monk. Wait, half peasant, half monk. How's that work? All seminarian. Uh. (laughs) I don't know. We'll see how you do on this one. Question number three. Moving up in the world. Um, Jesus was born in the Bethlehem manger, manger because A, there was no room for him in the inn. B, it was promised by the prophets. C, he was the seed of David. 
D, that's the only place Joseph could go with his frequent flyer miles. Okay. Um, I'm going to go ahead and rule out the frequent flyer miles. Man. I never can stump you. <sighs> Although I, th- I think there's a couple here that could be correct. There was no room in the inn. Promised by the prophet, he was the seed of David. Yeah. Hmm. Well, see, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking there's a tie between A or B. So I'll take my 50-50 lifeline. Oh. <laughs> just... Okay, it's not D. <laughs> All right. Um... 50-50 lifeline. That's an interesting little twist on the game. Uh, have you ever seen the show? Who wants to be a... <laughs> I, I I didn't think of it just <laughs> now. I just, it's, 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 you can also phone a friend if you're. <laughs> Whatever happened to our lifeline? Thing Pull the audience. No one uh, wants to be on our show. We're, we're all alone. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm gonna go with A. Then there was no room at the end. Well, that's true. There was no in- room at the end. It's also true that it was promised by the prophet. See, that's what I'm saying. There was two that are right. It's also true that it's because he was a seed of David, because Bethlehem was the city of oh, David. Oh, good call. So, yeah. So it's actually all three are true. <laughs> I could, just couldn't make up anything wrong. So there was no room in the end. That's the story. But look, it, it was also promised by the prophet. Now people say, well, look, it has to be one or the other. Either it was because there was no room at the end, or because it was promised by the prophet. I mean. Does the prophet determine these? How so like someone happen? playing a game show would would want to nail it down to one of those. That's right. But look, it's all true. The Lord is not interested in minimizing this stuff. All right, we're going to let you move on up. So you're half. Now you are half. I like it when it's, uh, it's only possible for me to get wrong when I pick frequent flyer miles. <laughs> you got that one-third right. So now you are. <laughs> no, I, I said two, so I get two-thirds. All right. So you are. Oh, I can't do this math here. You are one-third <laughs> peasant, and you are two-thirds uh, reformer. All right. Now for the excommunication question, Luther style. What is Pastor Wolfmuller's favorite Christmas hymn? <laughs> is it A, Sile Nacht, Silent Night in German? B, To Shepherds as They Watched? C, Of the Father's Love Begotten? Or D, Santa Claus is Coming to Town? What's your home phone number? <laughs> You're going to call Carrie? Yeah. See? Um, All right, this is a stumper. Okay, read him again real quick. Silent Night to Shepherds as They Watched, you know, the Luther Christmas hymn, the 14 stands of Luther Christmas hymn, Of the Father's Love Begotten, or Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Probably the last one, but... Um, dun, 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 I'm going to go with C, dun, Of the dun, Father's dun, Love Begotten. Hey, that's true. That's wait, wait, they're all your favorite. I get it. <laughs> no, no, it is. It's, I think of the Father's Love Begotten is really nice. You want to sing it for us? Yeah. Uh, not really. All right. You thought it was bad when, when I was talking. <laughs> it just gets worse. Yeah, yeah. No one would remember a single thing. That's right. Of the Father's, that's a beautiful hymn. Of the Father's Love Begotten. It talks about how the, the, Jesus came into the world uh, precisely out of his love and and mercy for us that this caused his incarnation uh, to, to come down and take on our flesh so that he could also take on our sin, take on our death, uh, and in the end rescue us and give us eternal life. Uh, but all these Christmas hymns are great, especially the Christmas hymns that, that point us to the cross. A particularly bad hymn, though, is the Santa Claus is coming to town i mean because in this hymn santa claus is the worst kind of legalist he he would make the pharisees blush remember he's making a list checking it twice i mean this talk about being a legalist 
Santa Claus would be like you and your table talk radio points. Stingy. <laughs> your hymnal's falling apart, by the way. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna read the first stanza. Of the Father's love begotten, ere the worlds begin to be, He is Alpha and Omega, He the source, the ending He. Of the things that are, that have been, uh, and the future years shall see, evermore and evermore. There it is. Yeah, beautiful. Can't beat that. Look at this. Look at this. Sorry. You should, all, all of you should make sure your pastor sings Of the Father's Love Begotten all Christmas season. In church. Tell him I said so. All right. Let's see. What are you now? You're excommunicated. You're two-thirds excommunicated and uh, one-third uh, uh, monk. Do you have another question for me or is that it? That's it. You won already. You won. Well, I wasn't sure because you did all these fractions with me. I wasn't. <laughs> all no, right. Congratulations. Well, I guess next up we have a little bit of time in this segment and then we can uh, finish up in the next segment, which century. Aha. Uh-huh. So are you? have you prepared for this? Don't this worry. <laughs> I'm never too sure. Well, while you're looking, I'll, I'll do the first one then. All right. What century? St. Francis of Assisi renounces wealth and goes on uh, to lead a, a band of poor friars preaching the simple life. St. Francis of Assisi. Oh, that would be, of course, the beginning of the Franciscans. The monastery, which is going to want to push it back pretty early, but I see. I think he was early Middle Ages. I for some reason twelfth. I mean, thirteenth, twelfth, thirteenth, fourteenth century, right in there somewhere. Uh, let's say thirteenth uh, century. That is actually correct. Hey, twelve oh six. There you go. Is, is when uh, Saint Francis of Assisi renounces his wealth. I should know that all of them that you pick are right on the edge. What? Twelve. I don't know that that's true. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what else about Francis of Assisi? You know, people say that they attribute this quote to Francis. Uh, have you heard this? Oh, yeah. Where he says, um, I think you're going. witness at all times, if necessary, if necessary use words. Right. But apparently, I, I mean, if someone knows where that is, but no one can seem to find that he actually said that, because that's just kind of miserable. I mean, that's a, the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I mean, <laughs> it's fine to uh, to be kind to people and everything like this, but it's through the word that God creates faith. So how can you how can God create faith through the word if you don't actually use words? Do they teach you that trick at seminary? Uh, no, no, no. No one's going to be converted just least, because of your good looks. Not at the seminary I go to. There are seminaries where they do teach you that. Probably. There you go. Yeah. Anything else about what about uh, this? Uh, do you know anything about the his stigmata thing? Any of that stuff? No. Do you? Nope. Uh, that the stigmata, so, of course, is where when someone is meditating on the passion of Christ and they begin to have in their own body the marks of, of the Christ. So yeah. the the wounds of the hands and the side begin to appear. So did did Francis uh, apparently have the stigmata? I, supposedly, I don't know any legitimacy to that or not. I don't know. Well, uh, we we have a, a couple minutes left. Um, Why did you tell everyone about our website? Yeah, uh, and our phone line, uh, and but, our email, <laughs> and what else do you want to know? Our, our website, tabletalkradio.org. On that, you can find a bunch of articles by Pastor Wolf Mueller. Uh, also, uh, our forum is there. We can. Uh, ask, we, have, we actually have some pretty good theological questions coming up on that forum. Yeah, someone but, the other day was asking about... Uh, we should talk about that uh, in, a, in a segment g- uh, coming up. Someone was asking about um, the Roman Catholic Church and the marks of the church and this sort of thing. So right. we got to talk about that. Yeah, and uh, what else? Is, uh, our, our podcasts, of course, are on there. You can listen to past shows should you so desire. 
but we do want to hear from our listeners. You can do so by uh, giving a call to our toll-free voicemail number. That's 866-851-5523. I was going to make you tell us that number, but I forgot. 866-851-5523. Or email us. Uh, we like to handle your questions, too. So questions at tabletalkradio.org. Uh, we like to, to read those on the air, too. Well, I think it's time to go to our commercial break. Let's do that, and we'll continue this game, Which Century, right after this break. More Table Talk Radio, right after this. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Serious theology. Seriously bad hosts. And we're back. Uh, you can come back from, from viewing our website during that break because I know everybody <laughs> rushed to their computers. Uh, most people are probably listening on their computers already. So. Overloaded the server. That's <laughs> Yeah. Sorry if it, if it didn't work during that. Anyway, uh, we're in the middle of the game, Which Century? This is everybody's favorite church history game show. <laughs> That's got to be. I um, mean, and we are your church history experts here, right? Uh, I think we're far from it, but I to- I told you what kind of grades I got in church history. Church history is tough, you know. There's details, and you can actually be wrong about things. That's the trouble. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you're preaching, people say, "Well, that was uh, right." I, I don't know about that. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> when you say, you know, uh, Martin Luther was born in the year 752, then you're just flat wrong. Yeah. That's All right. right. Hit me. All right. Uh, okay. What? Uh, Boethius, a Christian philosopher and official under Emperor Theodoric, accused of having connections with the Eastern Roman Empire, was arrested and finally executed in Pavia in this year, or this century, I guess. He is remembered both as the last Roman and the first scholastic. Through his own writings, as well as by his translations of Aristotle's book on logic, he transmitted the knowledge of Aristotelian logic to the Middle Ages. His scientific system also served as a prototype for medieval university education. Uh, what is that, like a church history quiz book? <laughs> That's right, everyone's favorite church history <laughs> quiz book. Uh, I, don't, I've, I have no idea this. I'm just going to throw out a guess. I'm going to guess the 14th century. Well, you're close. It was the 6th century. <laughs> <laughs> so not close yeah, at all. about only 900 years <laughs> off. 525 was when he was arrested and executed. So I wasn't is, listening here. I thought it said something about the Middle Ages. Y- trying to get yeah, yeah. he's considered to be the last Roman, the first scholastic... Um, and uh, his scientific system served as the prototype for medieval university education. I think that was tricky. I think you're... Yeah, it was tricky. Very, right. very tricky. No points for you, Evan. Uh, all those uh, Boethius fans out there, <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry that Seminary and Gagline doesn't know more. <laughs> right. There's so <laughs> many of those. All right. Good, uh, good to know that, too, huh? That's right. Okay, are you ready for the next one? Ready. Okay. This is the century uh, that Wycliffe, or Wycliffe, however you pronounce it, Wycliffe uh, is exiled from Oxford but oversees a translation of the Bible into English. He is later hailed as the morning star of the Reformation. Yeah, so that puts him before uh, our friend Luther. I think, I think Wycliffe was also even before 
our friend Huss, but I just can't, I can't quite remember. That was 100 years before Luther uh, was Huss, so let's just say, for kicks, the 15th century. You are incorrect. Oh. You're looking for the 14th century. Oh. This, is, this was about the year 1380 in which uh, he was exiled from Oxford. Well, that's, that's pretty close. So Wycliffe and Huff are, kind of, are always considered the, kind of the, the proto-reformers. They're the two guys that came and were trying to, to bring the scriptures to the people and to uh, reform the doctrine of the church as well. Um, and uh, Huss, of course, was... Um, uh, was in Germany, if that's right, and and uh, and Wycliffe was up in in England doing his stuff in English. That's right. I got nothing else to offer. Morning Star of the Reformation, though. That's where. I, that's it, nice. His little name. All right. Uh, all right. Another one for you. You ready? I'm you re- ready. You ready for more no points? You ready for some more obscure church history facts? I'm ready. All right. Thomas Aquinas died. He was, of course, Thomas Aquinas was the guy who brought scholastic. I'll just read a little bit about him here. Uh, let's see. He was only 50 years old. He was a teacher in Paris for a time uh, at the Papal Curia in Naples, son of a prominent Italian family. He brought scholasticism to its highest point of development. He surpassed Albertus as a systematician, and he also succeeded in bringing the new Aristotelian concepts and the Christian tradition together in an organic union. Do you know what I don't like about this game? What? It uh, shows my ignorance of, of history. <laughs> you know something new now, though, huh? About Thomas Aquinas. Yeah, I'm just trying to uh, place where he was. The Summa Theologica, which was Thomas's magnum opus and the classical work of all scholasticism, which okay, is still I'm the basic to... text for theological study of the Roman Catholic Church, has three parts. I'm just going to guess the 11th century. 11th century is close. It's actually the 13th century. <laughs> oh, man. 1274. 1274 is when he died. So this is the kind of the peak of scholasticism. And uh, and really, you know what Luther had to say about scholasticism? The answer is nothing nice. But they all studied it, uh, and they all knew this stuff, and they were reacting against it. I, I should tell you a story. Do we have time for a story? Yeah, tell a story. I was, uh, I, when I was at the, my fourth year in seminary, I was waiting tables. Uh, Don Hall's guest house for all of those living in Fort Wayne and I was uh, there on Friday night there was these priests that would come in these five priests and I was learning about scholasticism Roman Catholic theology and everything and then I'd be talking about it with these priests and I said to them one day you know uh, Thomas Aquinas who they liked uh, once said that baptism that that, that uh, penance was the plank that we cling to after the ship of baptism is shipwrecked and they said no he never said such a thing that's crazy and so I went and I looked it up and I made a copy of it for him, the page and the summa, and I brought it to him. The next day they were there for, and they said, "I can't, you just can't believe that sort of thing. That's crazy." Uh, but this is one of the kind of terrible teachings of Thomas Aquinas that uh, that penance is what's there to rescue us after baptism collapses and falls apart. Hmm. Mm-hmm. No good. All right. Do you well, like that story? That was a great story. Yeah, the other it thing makes me want to go to Don Hall's guest house. <laughs> get a uh, prime rib. They, they were. I was also giving these guys their martinis and prime ribs when uh, uh, when the Pope was being elected. And I said, "What's the requirement to be a Pope?" And uh, and they said, "Just any male who's been baptized." And I said, "I so I could be a Pope?" And they said, "Sure." And so we had odds on that on my papal election. Yeah, I'm sorry that didn't work out too well. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm ready. Give All me another right. one. Uh, you, you're up to 200 points. I'm, I'm still sitting with a goose egg. Right. Or as you like to say, a skunk egg. 
<laughs> That's right. <laughs> I forgot about that. Goose egg or skunk egg? Yeah. Skunk egg. Yeah. Skunk egg. All right. Uh, oh, yeah, this is a good one. The Society of Jesus is approved by the Vatican. Founded by Ignatius of Loyola, the Jesuit order places its services entirely at the disposal of the Pope. This is um, uh, the Jesuits. The Society of Jesus was really kind of the let's get rid of the Lutheran society. It's it's so it's pretty new, and they sometimes were uh, rogue and sometimes not so rogue. Uh, and so this is when they come under the auspices of the Pope. Is gonna it, I, it's gonna be I think after Trent, uh, but right around there. I think it's gonna be right around sixteen hundred. That's gonna be my guess. But I don't know if it's before or after. I'm gonna guess the sixteenth century. Very good. Fifteen uh, forty. Oh, so, so right at Trent, right before right, Trent started. Right. So there you go. And we still have Jesuits today in, uh, in the Roman Catholic Church. Yeah, I think to all our Jesuit listeners, hello. Glad to have you listening to the show. <laughs> Very glad to have you listening to the show. Write uh, in and uh, send us your questions, comments. Yeah. Questions at tabletalkradio.org. Complaints go to evan at tabletalkradio.org. <laughs> all right. Uh, we have one more Last then. Last one for you. That's right. The chance to get points. Pietism's foremost theologian and its founder within the Lutheran ranks was Philip Jacob Schweiner. Uh, he transmitted the pietist point of view only in a very modest form. He sought to retain the orthodox doctrinal basis without alteration, this book says. Uh, that's questionable. But the questions he dealt with, and not least of his very own methods of presentation, manifested a new theological spirit and a new way of thinking. This comes out in his book, Pia Desideria, The Way of Piety. Does everybody get that on audio form, that book? Uh, Yeah, aren't you recording it (laughs) in your spare time? (laughs) That's right. He set forth a number of recommended reforms. When was this book, Pia Desideria, The Way of Piety, uh, written? Uh, I'm going to say that this is the 18th century. Close. 17th century. Are you kidding me? The closest one yet. It was written in 1675. Uh, so early. Spainer was the early pietist, but then... That should be a gimme. So pietism was, uh, has been the plague of Lutheranism uh, ever since. Pietism, of course, you want to define pietism for us? Yeah, you'd be better at that. How about this, then? It is the belief... Pietism is the doctrinal belief that... Progress in sanctification is more important than purity of doctrine. How about that for definition? That sounds like most Christian churches today. True. It all is pietist is all around us, even inside of us, like the force in Star Wars. And so we have to constantly fight against this uh this 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 false belief that that moral progress is more important than doctrinal unity. Because you see what that does is that it, it puts all of those who are on the progressive moral path, uh, either Pharisee style or hypocrite style, uh, it unites them all together, and now you can have unity in spite of having all these disagreements on doctrine. Uh, and it's really kind of a deadly, a deadly thing, pietism. And that is going to do it for this edition of Table Talk. We'll end on that note of pietism. <laughs> Watch out. Let's end on the score here. You have All right, we got to go. Skunk uh, egg thank for you. the radio clown here. And I have 400 points left. Yeah, but I'm an excommunicated peasant seminarian <laughs> former monk. True, but look, I got 500 points from Jeopardy. Four, that's 900 points. Unbelievable. I'm sending my complaints to the forum at tabletalkradio.org. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Table Talk Radio. Join us again next week. If we don't get canceled. <laughs> <laughs>
Yes. <laughs> You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. The views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like to answer your questions concerning theology, the scriptures, or anything else. Send your questions to questions at tabletalkradio.org or leave us a voicemail message, 866-851-5523. Be sure to check out our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio.